Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for another Spawn Daily. We're up to issue number 40. Man, uh, it's really going quite quickly. But at the same time, when you think about how many issues we have to go, you know, another 290, maybe it's not going that quickly. <laughs> so we're not even, what, maybe a, a one-seventh of the way. So uh, still enjoying it. I think these comics definitely hold up. I think that they're actually improving. I'm going to nitpick this one a little bit. Uh, Tony Daniel returns to pencils and there's, you know, a couple things that are a little wonky, but for the most part, yeah, Spawn is, is really freaking good. You know, it, I, I think it gets a bad rep. McFarlane, when he was on uh, Sp Spider-Man, you know, he was just learning how to write comics and even the early issues of Spawn had a lot of exposition, repeated a lot of the same things. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about that. Rocky and I talked about that on, on the podcast quite a bit. So, uh, before I dive into the issue, just a reminder, everybody, what we're doing here. And again, hoping to have Rocky back on soon. Um, but what we're doing to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Spawn, the 30th anniversary of Image, is we're reading every issue of the main Spawn series and releasing an episode each day covering one issue. So we started way back in December, actually, the 12 days leading up to Christmas with the 12 days of Spawn Miss covering the first year sort of, because, you know, uh, there were delays and it, it actually took longer than a year to get the first 12 issues out. And then picking up with issue 13 on January 1st, we've missed one day, not too bad. Uh, and, you know, we do have a little cushion because uh, 365 days in the year. And uh, by the end of the year, there'll be between 330, 340 issues of Spawn. So we should have plenty of room to get them all done and uh, hoping to do some of the other minis, uh, you know, Spawn, Medieval Spawn Witchblade, Spawn Blood Feud, probably the Angela miniseries, Violator, that sort of thing. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and dive into this issue. Let me go ahead and share my screen. As I mentioned, Tony Daniel returns on inks. Uh, we do have uh, him on the cover as well, which is sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting look that Spawn has here. Uh, a departure, I guess is the word I'm searching for, from what McFarlane or... Capullo has done. This is a much more muscular looking spawn. He's not quite as lithe as uh, as McFarlane and Capullo usually draw him. So as we turn to the first page, we do see, there we go, Todd McFarlane on story, Tony Daniel on pencils. Just like last time when Tony was on the book, Kevin Conrad handles the inks, Tom Orzakowski on letters. Same color artist that we had last time when Tony Daniel uh, did the pencils, Todd Broker, Roy Young on computer color assist. And I, what I'm wondering is if because of all the detail and, and a little bit of a change in style that Capullo's had since he came on the book, was it just a matter of, Hey, we, we need, we need to give Greg a little bit of help. You know, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it is a chance for Tony to, uh, to show his chops. Another thing that's interesting. So last issue, issue 39 was a Christmas issue and it was a lot of fun and it, it didn't even, advance any of the storylines but i didn't mind it because you know i love christmas and certainly going to let these guys do a christmas issue and it was a lot of fun and it had a good message and the only thing i kind of nitpicked a little bit about was the fact that we hadn't checked in on some of the storylines in quite a while um but we did have in that issue 39 that christmas issue and a summary for issue for issue 38 which was very truncated now this is issue 40, but instead of having a summary for 39, which I guess wouldn't have made sense anyway, because that issue 39 is sort of, it, it exists obviously in spawn continuity, but 
kind of as its own thing, right? Uh, it's not, it's not like it has to go, you know, right here between these two stories. There's nothing to sort of tie it in to anywhere in the particular spawn timeline, which perhaps that's why they didn't put any of the other storylines in it. You know, it was just that standalone one of, which I totally, again, respect and think was a good idea. What I don't necessarily think was such a good idea was the previous two issues prior to that, not touching on those, uh, those other plot threads. So now we're talking about they've gone, you know, if you're, if you're a spawn reader at the time that these books were coming out, you've gone four months and maybe you forget, you know, maybe you forget where things are going in the other uh, storylines. But if you have forgotten, we, we do get uh, the paragraph summary here, which again, I've said before, maybe this is why McFarlane feels that he's able to sort of stop at the exposition dumps in the dialogue during the, the actual story or these pages with walls of text. So we're reminded that back in issue 38, there was a guy named Chris that wandered through this mansion looking for some files on a project called Cygor, which stands for Cybernetic Gorilla. It was a Dr. Wilhelm's project. Dr. Wilhelm was obsessed with bringing his wife back along with the research for the Cygor. Chris actually found the Cygor, tried to leave the mansion, got eaten basically. Uh, so that's that recaps that portion of the story. And when, once you read that, once I read that, when I flipped this open, okay, so I've got Tony Daniel on pencils. I've got a recap of what happened in the mansion. I got to think Cygor is going to show up. Like, that's my first thought. So, well, so I guess Cygor is going to show up. They're going to pick that back up. Why would they be reminding everybody if, if that storyline, if that plot thread wasn't going to be picked up here? Uh, we're also told about the interaction between um, Spawn, the, the one little bit of uh, other storyline we got in that issue 38 was Cogliostro telling Spawn, hey, Jason Wynn might not be your actual target. He might not be the one who uh, who wanted you dead. So, uh, you know, we're told here, Cogliostro warned Spawn killing Wynn might not solve his problems. Wynn represents only a small piece of the puzzle. And we did see Spawn visit uh, Granny Blake uh, as it's as it's uh, as she's described here. So uh, in the first on the first page, I, I really want to call out the difference in style here for setup between what Capullo does and what Tony Daniel does. I think that sort of it, it's not how can I describe this? When you look at that skyline, those buildings, they look a little stretched out. The perspective is a little different. It's a different sort of style. I feel like Capullo's stuff is is much more grounded. Uh, you know, his skylines feel a little more realistic in a way, uh, a little more, they have a little more bulk to them. Not that I mind the skyline at all. And I particularly love the bats that Tony Daniel throws in here. Uh, but it just, it was just something that I noticed uh, right off, right off the bat. <laughs> no pun intended with those bats flying there. Uh, and we see Spawn, he's walking into his alley. There's a bunch of guys around his throne for some reason. And he kind of asks them, hey, you know, what the heck's going on? And they're like, oh, we're just uh, adding stuff to your throne to make it more impressive. He's like, whatever, get out of here. Don't touch it. Um, and they walk off. Now, uh, Spawn gets uh, immediately to brooding, uh, commences with his brooding. And he's thinking about all, uh, you know, I like to be alone. He's thinking about where he is in his life, how Cogliostro said that somebody else besides Wynn uh, was perhaps the one that wanted him dead. Like maybe Wynn is not the guy he should be going after. There's doubt in, uh, in Al Simmons' mind. 
And he's trying to, he's trying to reconcile that, right? He's thinking about how Wanda always is afraid of him and how every time he tries to talk to her, something happens. And uh, he just, she sees him as this horrific monster and, and he hasn't been able to connect with her. He doesn't know what to think of Terry because the last time, or the last time he was alive and he interacted with Terry, Terry was a desk jockey is the way Al Simmons puts it. And now he's heading up security for Wynn and actually saved Wynn from spawn. You know, he's, he's like, what, what is he doing to me? Sleeping my, with my wife wasn't enough. He, you know, spawn is he's brooding, you know, for lack of a better term uh, he's brooding. And uh, as he's sitting there, all of a sudden his, uh, the change of his costume start to react. And he, he thinks, Oh, you know, maybe it was the wine, terrible wine wine I was drinking earlier. He, he sort of ignores it to his detriment because what we've come to realize pretty quickly here is that those guys weren't actually homeless. They weren't bums that were messing with his throne. They've actually installed these electrified tentacles, which shoot out from behind the throne, wrap spawn up. And we're told that they're specifically made to shock each tentacle shock spawn with 50,000 volts, which is enough to incapacitate necro flesh or uh, the necroplasm, right? Psychoplasm, whatever you want to call it. So this is somebody who's familiar with spawn uh, and is able to incapacitate them. And we see some, some henchmen here that look sort of like Jawas with, with the glowing eyes, uh, which is kind of in, an interesting look. Um, and it doesn't take them too long to literally scoop spawn up by sticking the forks right through, which is pretty brutal. Um, they stick them in a box that says keep refrigerated and they haul them off to where, well, we're going to find, <laughs> we're going to find that out in just a, a couple of pages. But meanwhile, Terry Fitzgerald is talking to Wanda. This is, is checking in on, on this plot line, which I, I like, you know, cause I was nitpicking about that the last couple issues, but we don't really get any new information. Uh, we just get Terry and Wanda, tr again, trying to figure things out. Terry's like, yeah, they're, they're having me look into these files. They're trying to get more information on Spawn. You know, Spawn must have uh, a pretty powerful reason to, to be messing with the government, to be messing with somebody as powerful as Wynn, but haven't been able to figure it out. Wanda, on the other hand, is, is you know, speculating about Spawn. She's like, yeah, I really don't understand who, who he is or why he's behaving the way he He's behaving first. He saves you. You know, we saw Spawn save him from overkill. And then he said, then he comes to me, Spawn, Wanda saying, you know, Spawn comes to me and says, you're, that Terry's a traitor. Uh, and then he pretends to be my ex-husband um, or pretends to be her dead husband, her late husband. Uh, and she's, yeah, she really doesn't know what to think. And she's like, every time I try to take my mind off and read a book or whatever, um, I'm right back trying to figure it out. And Terry's like, you know what? We, we need to get away. Let me, you know, finish what I'm doing here. And uh, we'll, we'll head out of town for a few days. I know they'll, they'll try to talk me out of it, but uh, I'll, I'll make them understand. So yeah, it, it, it's really interesting um, that Wanda doesn't for a moment believe, uh, you know, she has that thought in her head. It, it, she did hear Spawn when he said, Hey, I'm, I'm Al Simmons. Uh, although he didn't say those exact words, you know, he said things that, only Al Simmons would know. And she's, she's just not buying it. So maybe it's the way he looks. Maybe it's just people don't come back from the dead. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, she's not, she's not buying it. So 
Uh, on the next page, we see a, a little boy who's playing hooky from school. And uh, the sheriff pulls up and scares him away because we're told that there is some sort of creature on the loose. They're, they're calling it Bigfoot for lack of a, a better term. They have found carcasses of animals uh, killed and eaten, and they're just they're not sure what to think. So there's a bunch of, I guess I'll call them good old boys that are out there trying to track it down uh, with hunting dogs and whatnot. So the last thing the sheriff wants is for this kid to uh, to get caught you know, by some monster. I mean, they're assuming it's a bear, I think, although they're jokingly calling it, uh, calling it Bigfoot. So uh, it doesn't take too long before these hunting dogs catch the scent. And they, the, uh, the guy that has the hunting dogs, he hears his dogs, you know, making all those noises, barking, you know, Hey, this is the signal. We found the, uh, the the quarry what we were tracking and then all of a sudden those those barks and growls turned into yips right which if you've ever seen like rambo or uh first blood or anything like that you know exactly what that means like the dogs have come up against something that is uh that is bigger than they are you know uh they've gone from being the the uh predator to being the prey and sure enough they say oh my god it is bigfoot but what actually it is is cygor right this cybernetic gorilla 13 feet tall, larger than life. <laughs> they can kind of freeze. Uh, they don't know what to think. Uh, but the guy whose dogs were injured doesn't, doesn't hesitate, starts firing at the, the gorilla. The rest join in. Um, and it's interesting. We're told that the, the cybernetic gorilla, Saigor here, he has a, he has a choice. Uh, at that moment, he can choose to attack or he can choose to retreat. And he chooses to retreat. So you wonder... Um, who exactly is controlling this gorilla, right? Like Dr. Wilhelm was trying to create a, a body that was strong enough to uh, withstand the pain of the cybernetic grafting so that he could eventually transplant his wife's brain or at least her brainwaves into this body. Um, so is it, is it her? Is it Wilhelm? Is it somebody else? Like we're just, we're just not sure. But as the, uh, the gorilla takes off, the guys call into the sheriff saying, hey, we, we found it. It was this giant ape. He blew through us. He's headed for Oak Ridge Creek. Uh, and so the sheriff heads over as well. And what we see is the little boy who he had told to go home earlier, who was playing hooky, has just relocated to Oak Ridge Creek, like, you know, worst place he could have relocated. Uh, and there he is fishing. And so as the Sheriff kind of jumps off the road there to, to head off this gorilla. He doesn't realize the boy is down there. And now the boy's, you know, in the path of, of this uh, off-road vehicle about to be smashed and, uh, and pulverized. But again, showing that this, this Cygor, other than being driven to eat, and it, I did sort of think, well, maybe he's, he's malevolent in some way because he, he ate that guy, Chris. But at the same time, Chris seemed to have bad intentions uh, and maybe the, the gorilla was just starving at that point. It's sort of survival. Um, but regardless, maybe it's just the fact that it's a kid. The gorilla actually saves the boy from, from being smashed. He puts up his arm, he grabs the kid. We see um, that he stashes him in a tree. And as this little boy is looking uh, below thinking, thanks Bigfoot. We see the, the wreckage of the, uh, the four by four there and Cygor has, uh, has disappeared. Meanwhile, uh, Spawn wakes up, Al Simmons wakes up, thinks, you know, where am I? 
it looks like I'm in some castle, some sort of Frankenstein stuff. And he's trying to get his bearings. And no sooner does he wake up and turn his head than he sees Curse, who we last saw a few issues ago, where Spawn had removed his cybernetic arm and had him crucified up against the wall. And Curse is, is basically saying that, yeah, hey, how you doing? Remember how you, um, you know, left me pinned up against the wall? Well, I'm back. Uh, I, I know who you are. I know you're a Hellspawn. I know you get your powers from hell. Uh, I know you're a holding tank for these powers and a holding tank for evil. And uh, it's my turn, basically. You nailed me to a wall. Now it's my turn to figure out what exactly makes you tick. And I'm going to do that by dissecting you, basically. So he's already taken out some organs from Spawn. And again, he knows Spawn is made out of psychoplasm or necroplasm. So he doesn't actually need those organs to, to live, but he has managed to separate the symbiotic, uh, symbiotic costume, which he, uh, Chris says, yeah, that, that was a real challenge. Um, and we see that the chains are, 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 it's a struggle to keep the chains, um, subdued. They're showing great spirit. We see the Cape is, uh, trapped in some sort of, uh, glass tube and, as when Spawn looks up, he sees the lower half of his body has been removed. And Curse is talking about uh, more than a dissection. I guess we, we should call it an autopsy since you're dead. And, you know, this is an untried procedure. It's never been done before in the Hell Spawn. And, and we can even see the hole in Spawn's chest. And he's talking about, you know, side effects by surgically separating parts of these psychoplasm and. He's, he says, I'm glad you're awake because now you can uh, experience the grand finale when I'm going to remove your brain from your head. Uh, and we're told next issue, the conclusion by McFarlane and Capullo. So not exactly sure what Chris's end game is here, other than he's trying to find a way to get more power. That, that was what he was doing when he showed up the first time. That's what he's doing here. But what's not clear is why he thinks that cutting spawn up will allow him to tap into that tank, that reservoir of power that he's, uh, that he's talking about. So we'll have to wait and see um, how that all plays out. As far as the art, um, I, I don't like it as much as Capullo. Um, you know, I talked about it before when Tony Daniel did it. His lines are a little finer and certainly finer than, uh, than the art we get from Tony Daniel now. Uh, he does have a little bit more of a cartoony style and an exaggerated style, which is closer to the McFarland style than the Capullo style, uh, at least how Capullo first started off. But uh, it's just a difference in aesthetic. Uh, the storytelling is still very, very good. The panel layouts, again, very, very good. Much like Capullo, almost like a mix, actually, of Capullo and McFarland, because McFarland used plenty of full page splashes, uh, Capullo less so. Uh, Tony Daniel is not to the point of using as many as uh, McFarlane, but he does use more than uh, than Capullo. A lot of insets in the pages, um, but the maybe it's the backgrounds more than anything that are just lighter than what we get from Capullo, which leaves me wanting a, a little bit more. Um, even in the castle, um, I mean, we do get more detailed background than, than a lot of the other scenes, but still nowhere near what we get with, uh, with Capullo. So uh, the art is still very strong and Tony Daniel's still a really good storyteller. Um, 
this is, you know, earlier on in his career, he certainly has gotten better over time. Um, but yeah, uh, the art is just, you know, again, it's just a personal preference. Um, and it, I do find it interesting that the first two chapters of this Cygor story were drawn by Tony Daniel, but we're getting the conclusion next issue, issue 41, but Capullo is going to be on it. So that's going to be really cool to see Greg Capullo draw that cybernetic gorilla. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, will, will we get answers about who's controlling the gorilla? Is the gorilla controlling itself? Whose brain is in there or whose brain patterns are there? Uh, or will it be one of these things where we get a semi-resolution to the story in terms of Spawn defeats him or Spawn escapes from Curse or some kind of resolution with the, the cybernetic gorilla story, but not answers to our questions. You know, much like the freak, uh, much like Curse himself until he showed up this issue. And what about Curse? Like, is, the, is that going to be uh, wound up next issue or not? What about Jason Wynn? We saw him referenced several times, both by... Uh, spawn when he was kind of ruminating as he was sitting on his throne also obviously by terry and wanda we haven't actually seen him show up him or the violator and this is another issue without sam and twitch as well so what are those other storylines when are we going to check in on on some of the other characters although i i did definitely appreciate the fact that we checked in on wanda and terry and i like that we kind of got an understanding of where wanda is at in terms of how she thinks about spawn that she acknowledges that he was claiming to be her husband, but she fully rejects that her, her late husband, Al Simmons. Uh, and she's like, that's creepy. Why was he claiming to be Al? So uh, really enjoy that. Another part that's interesting is Terry seems to be more engaged in actually investigating spawn right now than in doing what he intended and was the whole reason behind him transferring to Jason Wynn's department in the first place. It's like, he's, ever since Spawn attacked Wynn and then showed up at his house and scared his wife. And again, completely understandable that he would want to know more about Spawn and figure out what's going on with Spawn, being that Spawn scared the crap out of Wanda. But he has sort of set aside his other mission of, hey, let me find some dirt on Jason Wynn. You know, let me find out why, because he suspects that was who was... Um, behind the move to have uh, Terry's life ruined, Terry murdered himself. And then the other aspect, like I said, of having Wynn and Violator show up as well, because Wynn's got that that mission, if you will, from the, the Violator gave him, hey, buddy up with Terry, squeeze Grandma Blake, squeeze uh, Wanda. When are we going to see some fruition from that? Um, and then is there any fallout from the fact that there was a disagreement at first when Spawn attacked Wynn between Terry and, and Jason Wynn. Terry, Terry wanted to capture him alive. He's like, no, we can't kill him. He's more valuable to us alive. And Wynn's like, he's relieved of command. Like, is there going to be any hard feelings? Is there going to be any fallout from that? Again, we just don't know. Jason Wynn hasn't, hasn't shown up. And is McFarlane trying to lessen the importance of Wynn in a way? You know, it's two issues in a row here. Well, not two issues in a row because we had the Christmas issue, but in issue 39 and now again in issue 41, we're reminded that, hey, Jason Wynn might not be the bad guy here. He, he was following orders when he ordered um, when he ordered Al Simmons' death. So that's still to be uh, explored as well. So anyway, real good stuff. Lots of uh, continuing plot lines, but yet, you know, stories that are um, 
I won't say freak of the week or, you know, like uh, on Smallville, like we talked about, partly because one of them is called the freak. Um, but we're still being introduced to new characters too, you know, like Cygor, which I think is, uh, is important and helps build the mythology. And, and part of the reason why we're doing this, right? Because as I've said before, when we read those newer Spawn universe titles like Gunslinger Spawn and Scorched and King Spawn, being introduced and, and referenced to other events and other characters in, in the Spawn storyline, Spawn universe, Spawn history that I'm just not familiar with. Um, and even Spawn himself in those books, he, he's, he's very different. His personality is different than he's, you know, he's much more self-assured, which makes sense. Cause I'm sure he knows much more about himself and who he is. And he's not sort of scared and trying to find his footing, but at the same time, he's a little more cold uh, and a little more aloof in a lot of ways. So, you know, how does Al Simmons get from where he is here to that point? That's another thing that uh, I want to understand better. So, Anyway, hope you're uh, enjoying it, this trip down memory lane, this 30th anniversary of Spawn. Like I said, I hope Rocky's back really, really soon. Obviously, uh, we'll let you know. And I, I'm sending him these videos. I'm just releasing them on the audio channel, but I, I hope that he's going to put them up uh, at some point, or maybe he'll record his own for these issues we missed. I'm not, not sure. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. But anyway, thanks for joining us as always. If you do get a chance to check it out, if he does put these up and you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. It's comic space, boom, exclamation point. Ring the notification bell so you know when Rocky puts out new content and like this video. If you're checking us out uh, on YouTube and you haven't gone over and subscribed to the comic source, I do encourage you to do that as well because I put out a lot of audio only content on that channel. So just go to your favorite podcasting app or your favorite podcasting platform Google, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is, uh, and just do a search for the comic source and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our uh, new Comics Wednesdays or any of the fantastic uh, interviews that we do. So uh, we have an interview coming up with Jerry Conway that's going to be out in a couple of days. Highly encourage you guys to check that out. Plus, we have a bunch of Best Jacket Press previews that just dropped for the latest three issues of that. Uh, so we have Demons number three, um, Clear number four, and Night of the Gold number four. So I encourage you to check those out as well. So that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We really appreciate you joining as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.